You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. That's it. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from the Mulling Haw Show on 670 The Score. Dan Weeders from the Chicago Tribune covering the Bears back from Detroit after the Bears. Boy, eighth loss of the season, three and eight now after 31-26 loss to the Lions on Sunday. And a day later, it doesn't look any prettier or easier to understand. First of all, you said back from Detroit, which for me is a victory today because I was just telling studs before we came on. Nine hours door to door for me from the hotel room in Detroit to uh, to this podcast here that we're recording now at a, a five hour flight delay, David, in Detroit. So uh, I volunteer myself up for Omaha Productions. If Netflix wants to do a series called Beat Reporter, they can follow around the glamorous life of the Beat Reporter and see where it goes. Uh, veteran tip, although you are a veteran. <laughs> When in doubt, when in fear of those uh, long, when, when the flight delay is longer than the than the actual process of door to door, then maybe you should consider driving. Thought about it. Uh, actually, thought about renting renting a car when the delay time kept ticking upwards. There were no cars available that you could pick up at the Detroit airport and drop off at O'Hare. So that becomes a big problem, you know, so now you got to juggle those. Like I say, uh, this is something that the masses would be truly, truly interested in following. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm choking on the air as we do this. Um, but yeah, no, we're here. We're, well, we're, 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 go ahead. As you, as you recall this, um, going from New Orleans through Dallas to Chicago, <laughs> and now a five hour flight delay, who's making your arrangements? Luke Getze? Listen, that's, that's uh, low blow and that's cold. <laughs> Uh, the, the New Orleans one was uncontrollable. This one, uh, just a, an unfortunate sea of events, you know, unfortunate <laughs> chain of events here. I hear you. And, and, and like part of the problem, uh, you know, these division road games are supposed to be the easiest to get back from. It's, you know, right. 45 minutes, you're back. And with the time change from Detroit, you basically 
gain time. It's one of those magic solutions. Not quite the case today, but to your benefit, I'm kind of uh, wired and hyper. So it's going to make this a great day after podcast to discuss another collapse by the Bears. Obviously, yeah. Yeah, it is. I'd like to say I miss those travel uh, situations, but I don't really. All right, so you did get back in time. You do know what Matt Eberflux had to say at the podium. And um, as we get into that, we'll we'll start addressing those things in our opening drive. So Matt Eberflux um, had a lot to say, but he didn't say a lot, if that makes sense. And I think at 3-8, and eight, the focus starts to shift to his job security and, and maybe his qualifications for the job itself. And I wonder if we're going to spend the next six games kind of debating that. And, and I do wonder where this is all going. Uh, it's hard for me to look at the positives that come out of this, even though that was what DJ Moore, when we talked to him on the Mullion Haw show, kind of said he was going to do. And that's what we hear from Justin Fields after the game. I, I think I want to understand better, you know, at, at three and eight for a regime that has yet to win back-to-back games, it's difficult to continue to look at the positives when you have a game that got away from you in the manner that that one did. Three and eight, six and 22 over two seasons, winless in the division, yet to put together a, a two game winning streak, two and 11 in one score football games. There's a lot of mounting evidence that tells you that this team is not capable of meeting game on the line moments like happened again Sunday in Detroit. It's problematic, it's worrisome. You have to start. Um, assigning accountability for some of these breakdowns and these malfunctions. We can't spend three seasons talking about a team trying to figure out how to finish with focus on individual technique and then group technique and then the full team technique. Like, go finish a game. Like, I, I sit in my hotel room in Detroit on Sunday night and I watch the Denver Broncos who came here to Chicago a month ago completely reeling. They're not a very good football team. They finished off about four games here in the last month um, with – comparable talent to what the bears are playing with, but guess what? They've got a superior coach and Sean Payton on the sideline. Who's getting things done in crunch time. They got a quarterback in Russell Wilson who made a couple plays on Sunday night, but like, you know what I mean? Like David, you can go down the standings of all these NFL uh, divisions and, and find teams that aren't very good that are finding ways to finish games. The New York giants, for God's sakes, won a football game with Tommy DeVito at quarterback. Well, and that's why Matt Eberflus was hired. Frankly. I mean, that, that was the promise that was implied. You get a guy that is the defensive head coach and his talks like, you know, the football coachiest of coaches. And this is somebody that's going to do more with less. And this is somebody who's going to be the ideal coach as you kind of reshape your roster and replenish your, your talent. And, what we haven't seen is that we haven't seen him win the game that nobody gave him a chance to win and, or be the team that the league is talking about on Monday morning because they went into a hostile place like uh, Ford field and beat a playoff team. And that's the biggest disappointment. So there are a lot of areas to, to we could go a lot of directions, but, but I want to, I want to start with this and we'll get into the breakdown of Justin Fields game and what that may or may not. Yeah, yeah. But, but I want, I want to ask about, something that came out of the, the podium session Monday at Hallis Hall when Matt Eberflus was asked about Montez Sweat playing, I think it was 63% of the snaps. 39 out of 62, yeah, 63% is correct. And his answer was pertained to something to the effect of, well, you know, platoon and keeping them fresh, and these are the kind of things that are by design. Now, I've never rushed a passer in, the NFL, in an NFL game, and I think a lot of us don't have an appreciation for maybe what that takes. But I do think that 63% of the snaps is a little bit, low for somebody who is of Montez Sweat's stature in the NFL. And I don't know how much it compares to 
the rest of his time, but I'm digressing. So Montez Sweat's usage raised an eyebrow. The fact that it comes in the same season, not that long ago to where we're, I was get, going on a silly rant about DJ Moore, you know, keeping himself off the field or having being off the field in third and four, one of the biggest plays of, of the game. Uh, New I think Orleans. Yeah, it was New, New Orleans, Orleans. against yeah. the Saints. Yesterday, I had similar questions about Dan Feeney being in there with, you know, what's going on with the snap count? We're delay of game and the quarterback's yelling at him. Why was he snapping the ball when you do have somebody, even though you're disappointed in Cody White here, he's made 117 starts. He's unlikely to be phased by the crowd noise in Detroit. I don't know if that makes sense. Then, and then one of the biggest plays of the game, Justin Fields, who I love the call, I've said that, is thrown deep to Tyler Scott, who couldn't, for whatever reason, catch up to the ball or make the play. Why is he throwing to Tyler Scott? Why isn't that guy Darnell Mooney? My point is this. If we're going to look at all these personnel situations, what do they have in common? Coaches put players in situations to succeed. they got to be the right players, and they got to be an awareness that maybe, you know, how, how do you use Montez Sweat? Is, is Tyler Scott the guy you want to throw to there? What's Dan Feeney doing that, that, that Cody Whitehair can't? I have all kinds of questions, and when you're 3-8, and eight, those questions only become more magnified. I have much less of an issue with the Tyler Scott target on that play, obviously, late in the game there, because you've got Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, DJ Moore, and Tyler Scott all in pattern. There, there are four guys that are, are running a play, and the first read of that play is your top receiver, DJ Moore, running a crosser underneath from the right side of the formation in a bunch formation with Cole and Darnell. And if the coverage dictates it, the ball goes to DJ, and perhaps you hit a completion that gets you a first down that then seals the game for you. Remember, one of one of the plays that I starred in my rewatch, David, was a, a, a I, it wasn't quite a check down, but it was an underneath route to DJ Moore, eight yards short of the sticks in the third quarter. Uh, no, it was early in the fourth quarter. And uh, you, you remember this one where, where uh, DJ Moore fights for third, third and 12, and 12. Third and 12. Yep. Right? Yeah. And it's well short of the sticks where it's completed. And it's one of those yep. moments where you go, okay, that's why you pay DJ Moore. That's why you invest in DJ Moore. That's why you, you sent the draft capital you did. To Carolina, so you, so you, so you try to get that guy the ball in game on the line situations. But Justin made a good decision throwing it to Tyler Scott, and he made a good throw. And now this is a, a guy that you've drafted. Conceivably, I said to Big Z after the game on on Sunday evening, so route Chase Claypool probably could have run right. Well, Chase Claypool wasn't what you thought he was, and so now you you're still trying to fortify your receiving core in a way that that gives you guys that can make those plays in the moment. Remember Tyler Scott. He's been playing receiver for three and a half years in his football life. He was a running back until he got into college. And then he made the transition uh, at Cincinnati to receiver. And he's still learning the nuances of the position. And it showed up in a, in a major way on, on Sunday with him unable to smoothly run through that ball and catch it. The bigger issue to me here is what you brought up about Montez Sweat. I still have to go back through and see on the Lions' final two touchdown drives which plays and how many plays Sweat was off the field for because that's that's go time, right? That's 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 closing time. That's game-winning time. And when you have just given away a second-round draft pick, when you have opened up the vault and given a guy a $96 million contract, when you, when you have made it very clear that you believe in him to be a star of your football team, he better be in there. At closing time, again, I don't have the numbers. You gave just the, the total numbers of, of 39 to 62. That's not enough when you compare it to the star pass rusher of the Lions, Aiden Hutchinson, as Mark Potash did 
to Matt Eberflus on Monday afternoon, who played 69 of 75 snaps. That's 92% of snaps. And Matt said, we want to keep fresh bodies. We, you know, we have this platoon system. Travis Smith, the defensive line coach, handles the substitutions. We want to flow it through. Not good enough, man. Like you heard me when they made the investment in Montez Sweat say, okay, well, guess what? Now he's got to be in every half difference maker for your football team. And, and 39 out of, out of 63 snaps is not enough. And it's not a valid explanation for you to say, you know, we want to keep fresh bodies out there when your defense was on the football field for 19 minutes and 36 seconds of an NFL game in 2023. You know, yeah, sure, there's going to be moments where you need a quick blow, but like, my God, like it wasn't like the defense was gassed and they had been on the field all afternoon. Have your best player out there. He, the sack that Montez Sweat made, difference-making play. He totally took Jared Goff by surprise with his closing speed, and it was a huge play in that game. Those plays need to be made more often. The only way they're made is if the guy's on the field. So a couple of things that were uh, obvious and looking at the game a little bit again was that um, I uh, we don't have to go through necessarily the, third, the three down sequence where, you know, included a third down pass to Tyler Scott. But the first two carries were to Khalil Herbert. Dan, I, I don't know if um, – I, I speaking of the running backs, Khalil Herbert did not look like the runner Himself. he was before the injury. Mm-hmm. Um Deontay Foreman looked like he was running hurt and then he got hurt again. And Roshan Johnson stood out to me only because on third and seven, the Bears handed him the ball rather than um, before they preceded the, the second field goal. And that was the play that, that Jared Goff cited when he said basically, well, if they're going to run the ball on third down, we're going to take advantage. And that's t- they're telling us that, you know, they don't think they can beat us or finish us off. And so I'm thinking about the running back experience and none of it was good. And I think, you know, I don't know if if Foreman's going to be healthy. I don't know if I trust Herbert anymore. And Roshan Johnson uh, so far has not necessarily distinguished himself. So I'm just like from a from a running back perspective on a day that David Montgomery got the last laugh and spiked it in the end zone to celebrate the game winning touchdown. Not a good development. Well, I said this earlier today, Deontay Foreman's last carry of the football game came with 1224 to play in the third quarter. And then he re-aggravates the ankle injury and doesn't get back in the football game after that. And I thought they really missed him, especially in a game like that, where you're trying to grind it out at the end, where you're trying to get, you know, really rugged four yard carries to, to, to move a defense and move the chains. And they just didn't have that. I think you're right in saying that Khalil Herbert didn't look like himself. I think that's something we have to follow up with the coaching staff about as this week goes along to try to figure out why they think that was the case. Obviously his first back first game back after a long layoff and, and the injury that he suffered in Washington wasn't pretty, but that it didn't help, right? Like you, you just need the tough yards and they weren't able to get them. Um, that was a, an issue and you've got to figure out a way to, to get that, that regrouped because the depth of this position is supposed to be a strength of your football team. Uh, and it's supposed to give you the opportunity to, to lean into it. You're a top five rushing attack in the NFL coming into the week. And you, you should be able to lean into that in game deciding moments. You know, the, the lions obviously finished the game pretty well. And, and you mentioned the David Montgomery uh, final touchdown, but they, they weren't world beaters on the ground yesterday. Montgomery, 76 yards on the ground, uh, Jameer gives 36, uh, you know, th- th- some gash runs in there and 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 you are, were able to obviously control the Lions offense by keeping them off the field for a long stretch. Um, but man, like th- th- this is again, this is it's just it, this is a football team, David, that just like they're just not there yet. And it's it's really frustrating because they should be further along than they are selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hey rob bradford here i have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what i have known for some time baseball isn't boring now i have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show players managers gms and yes even the commissioner of baseball rob manfred it has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices so join the revolution subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring listen on your odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast you'll be glad you did hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline Look, looking at the numbers, and, and you have to feel pretty good about, you know, Justin Fields' efficiency as we pivot to the quarterback conversation. Yeah. And I want to know, like, 169 yards passing, as, as we have said in the past, you know, that number's got to be higher. And, and there are a lot of factors. But I found myself after this game with him having 104 yards rushing and only, only 169 yards passing, as much as people want to focus on that and about his limitations – didn't bother me as much because I don't. I think it would all fit into the the context of the game plan until the Lions were going to find a way to stop Justin Fields using his legs. Why would there be any reason to ask him to stop running the way that he did? So I didn't have a big problem with that. I'm just curious in the 24 hours or so after the game, as you talked about the game or heard people discuss it or analyze it, did the Bears passing attack? What did you think of that? And what do you think of those numbers? Yeah, look, I've I've ragged on their uh, passing incompetence for a couple years, right? And and how, how little productivity they've had at, at, at points. Yesterday's didn't bother me even an ounce. I, I, I thought that they were playing that game on their terms. I thought that they were using the read option very well. I thought they got Justin out on some designed runs with three quarterback sweeps uh, that, that got him out on the edge a little bit. Uh, I think he ended up with 45 yards on, on keepers on the read option. Um, scrambles for 50 yards in the game, including the 29 yarder that, 
we can get into it in a minute because it, it included uh, the, the little dance at the end of it, which is probably an entry point into a, a, another discussion. Um, but look, like I thought, I thought he threw the ball well all afternoon. I my rewatch, you know, I'm, I'm putting uh, question marks next to the eh plays, X's next to the yikes plays, and and hearts next to the plays I loved, and there are far more hearts on my my little initial grade sheet than there were question marks or X's. It was really good all day. He made good decisions. He threw the ball well. I thought his pocket awareness was really good. I thought he he did a good job of moving around the pocket and keeping his eyes up and making throws. Like This was one of Justin's best performances as a pro quarterback. If you could replicate this for the next month, we start to change the conversation about what the offseason holds. Ultimately, that passing offense become more dynamic. But for what the game was yesterday, I thought they did a pretty good job, and I thought Justin managed it really well. Okay, I'll continue that for a moment because it is what people are talking about the most on Monday in Chicago about Justin Fields, this this seven-game sample size and what it means to his future. And as I said yesterday in row, I, I think that, you know, if, if this was the opening statement of his closing argument, he certainly got all of our attention. And, sure. and I think that it was it was very impressive. And, and I just wonder, though, because of the way that the Bears lost that game and because of some of the realities that might be facing Matt Eberflus and the head coach of the Bears, I wonder if all of this becomes almost a moot point. Because if you do get a new head coach and if you do have that net, new head coach bring in either an offensive coordinator or his offensive system, if he's an offensive-minded head coach, then what does that mean to – uh, in reality and practicality to Justin Fields, it probably means the Bears are moving on, regardless of how well he plays in the final seven games. Now, that could be influenced or affected by the front office, but we know how it works. If you get a new head coach, typically that coach is going to have designs on who he likes and and what kind of quarterback he's going to want in his system. And it might be a mild surprise if whoever that is, coach to be named later, wants to stay with the status quo and a quarterback with as much baggage, maybe mileage as Justin Fields will have for whoever the next coach may be. What do you mean by mileage? Well, I think, I think that he's been number one, there could be baggage of being the holdover in Chicago going now with its third head coach. Mileage would be the fact that maybe in year four, you worry about the, 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 the toll mentally and physically that it has taken on his body and his mind to embrace and be the leader that the next regime will probably want to or believe in that can win them a Super Bowl. The points you make are valid, but it's not unheard of for a new coach to inherit a quarterback that they may be intrigued with. Matt Nagy came here because he was intrigued to work with Mitch Trubisky. Uh, John Fox got paired up with Jay Cutler. I'm not sure he was – coming to Chicago because he really wanted to work with Jay, but you know how it works. And sure. and so I, I think we've set this up on rational ground here for a long time. This conversation hasn't changed until it changes. And so Justin has six more games. If he makes a legitimate breakthrough, it will be obvious to everyone. If it's not obvious to everyone, then what we've talked about for three seasons will be <laughs> sort of the end conclusion that it just hasn't been enough. You know, there's just not enough there to tell you that you can go win at the highest level. 
with the guy, you know? And so, so look like, yeah, there are, there are six games and seven weeks left in the season for this story to change. And, and, and it could change if it doesn't. Like, I, I just think that by the time we get to what, what will it be January 8th or whatever day locker cleanout day is it, it, it there's not going to, there's not going to be the guessing game that, that creates this impassioned sports conversation in our city. I think it's just going to be plainly obvious staring everyone dead in the face. And if it's not staring you dead in the face, I think that's also your answer. You know what I mean? Like if, if there, yeah. if there is still this gray area, then it tells you that there's still massive gray area. Well, yeah, I, I, I know where you're coming from. I guess I, I just started to think about it this morning. I think Molly said something about, you know, Ben Johnson and, and everybody looks at him as, as a hot head coaching candidate, we know we're going to hear his name, especially given the success of the Lions. But Dan, I do think that if you don't and what, know, and what did Ben Johnson do? He took cast off Jared Goff and turned him into a guy that that is playing the best football of his career, right? But that's kind of that's kind of my point. Is that okay? So Ben Johnson theoretically takes over, uh, whether it's the L.A. Chargers, the Chicago Bears, um, who, whoever is looking for a coach next. I mean, you, you know that these these firings are going to be coming and, and the fear or the reality is it's it's likely to happen in Chicago when I talk about Justin Fields I want to be respectful because we just saw him you know pretty much dominate the game and be the best player in the field on Sunday at Ford Field but he is not your conventional NFL quarterback no. and if he were we wouldn't be having this this years old uh, conversation about what the Bears are going to do to free him up and do the things that play to his strengths so I guess that's what I mean is that the, typically the next genius that you hire to be your head coach is going to have a vision or an image of what that system looks like. Typically, it would be a guy like Jared Goff, who was the number one overall pick because he was uh, more a proto prototypical NFL quarterback coming out of Cal. And so he would be the guy that was like, all right, I can work with him. He's going to be a retread. His second act in Detroit has gone well, largely because of Johnson, but largely because he of, of mistakes and, and the failure he had in, in L.A., Justin Fields could have a very productive second act. Those second acts happen elsewhere. So I guess that's all I mean is that we could get to the end of the season. Justin Fields could have acquitted himself quite well in these seven games. The Bears have an entire coaching change that cleans out everybody uh, from the head coach to the offensive staff, etc. And I think the next guy is not going to be as intrigued by Justin Fields as he will be like, well, hmm. How how can we figure out a graceful exit to this tenure? Because I want my own guy. No, I mean it's it's entirely valid, you know, and it's it's such a pivotal point in team history because of it, and it's another pivotal point. I feel like we've been at a lot of these pivotal points here in the last you know five years or so, um, and they're going to have to choose right, and they're going to have to be smart with whatever new additions they make to the football team from the top on down, you know. And you know the most important roles in in, in a football franchise in the NFL, and it's you know your general manager, your your head coach, and your uh, quarterback and then your coordinators, you know, and so so whatever they do and whatever decisions they make to to put them in the right direction at those positions this offseason are huge. They're, they're, they're directional for the franchise um, right now. Like, you know, we're living in the now and we're living in a day after a game where Justin, as you said, played very well uh, and took a step in the right direction. And now comes the next test. Stack a second consecutive good performance together. Yep. Go to Minnesota against a defense that completely frazzled you the first time you played them this year. Yep. Knocked you out of the game in the third quarter and caused you to miss 35 days of game action. Mm -hmm. And and go put your best foot forward. Go win a football game. 
a division football game for the first time since your rookie year and your, your first home start at Soldier Field, you know? So, um, look, like, the tests are there, and now go take them, you know? Like, I, one of the things about last week, David, that drove me crazy was there was, like, this one pocket of people arguing that you couldn't really evaluate Justin's rookie season because it came under Matt Nagy, and you couldn't really fairly evaluate him in his second season because they were tanking, and you couldn't really evaluate him in the first six games of the year this year because they were kind of figuring themselves out, and you couldn't really take into stock the four and a half games he missed because he missed the four and a half games, and so really the only thing that, that was left was these seven games, and it was going to be the be-all, uh, end-all of the Justin Fields evaluation. My counter-argument, obviously, is that like this is like – going to college like you have a final exam at the end of the the semester that gives you your final grade but it's not 100 percent of your final grade everything that happened up to that point still counts can you raise your grade absolutely can your grade lower absolutely but so like that that's what this is this seven game stretch is a final exam for justin fields in terms of his evaluation and how it will be viewed by ryan poles and again they have to they have to make the right decision because you saw the report from me and Rappaport on Sunday morning that said they would quote unquote have to be blown away to pivot in a new direction this offseason. Well, that felt like a rerun to me because they said that last offseason. And this is a whole different set of dynamics this year, particularly um, hinging on how Justin plays over these last seven games. And I think a lot of people missed the nuance in Ian's story at NFL.com that said, oh, by the way, here's the 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 list of boxes that the bears want him to check over the last seven games to truly believe in him. So like, there's a lot more of this story that needs to play out. And the pass fail box that needs to be checked is consistency. That's the one word that was used the most. And I think that's the one that you have harped on. And I think it's the one that the bears will use to determine whether or not to move on whoever's making that determination. Okay. So back to um, the game on Sunday and Justin Fields, 18 carries 14 design runs had 104 yards rushing. Dan, I think that it's interesting on a couple of things. Number one, the Bears are 0-5 in games that Justin Fields has 100 more rushing yards. I think it has probably more to do with the Bears than it does Justin Fields because I like the way they played yesterday. I like the way that they got they got the most out of his skill set because it doesn't bother me, the run-pass ratio. Is it sustainable? Well, it's it's got to be until until he you know proves that he's not available for – the, for a game because I, I, it, the conundrum is he's not going to be the kind of quarterback that is special uh, unless he does these things that allow him to show it. So I wonder, and I asked DJ more this, and he didn't have a, a, a great sense maybe, but you mentioned the dance, you know, the 30-yard run or 29-yard run. And, and I think to me, all the dance at the end of that said that Justin Fields was feeling it. He was, you know, really in a, in a good play. His confidence was oozing he was feeling comfortable and I do think this it's unscientific and maybe a little bit meatballish but I do think that the better Justin Fields runs or performs as a runner the better he is as a passer and I think that's why I think it's so important to let him play and be free and not robotic even if it's a mental thing you take advantage of that skill set because I think they're really related his legs connected to his arms in a way that I don't know that you can really explain but I think there are. I think they there is a connection there. So I'm not going to be the angry old guy and, and come on here and be like, "Oh my God, what was he doing doing that dance there in the fourth quarter? It was ridiculous." But what what I, I will say is, it almost felt like a premature exhale, which seemed like what the entire team did down the stretch of that game. Like I I would prefer for that to come after a scramble that ends in the end zone. I would prefer that to come after a play that 
basically seals the win. And at that point, it's 23 to 14. There was a lot of unfinished business left. And and so, you know, like, like I'm not going to, like I said, go on a, on a 15-minute rant about that. But I was more bothered by the sequence that followed that because the Bears got conservative after that. And it was a Khalil Herbert run for two yards, a Justin Fields zone read, uh, for one yard and then uh, one to Roshan Johnson for, for two yards. And Matt Eberflus sort of indicated on Monday afternoon, David, that that third down run, the third and seven, he saw an opportunity for Justin to keep that football. And he thought there might have been a, a better opportunity to, to move the sticks by keeping the ball as the most dynamic player on the field rather than giving it to, to Roshan Johnson for two yards. We saw how that play ended up and they end up kicking the 39 yard field goal, which gave them the 26 to 14 lead. By the way, I will reiterate this because people are still confused about the game situation. It was fourth and five when they kicked that last field goal to go up 26 and 14. It was fourth and less than a yard earlier in the quarter when they went up 23 to 14. But that was one of a, a handful of sequences in the game that when you go back through it, you're like, that was ultimately catastrophic for you because you didn't land the kill shot when you needed to. And when that run occurs and you get the 29-yard run and you get a penalty tacked onto it and you're down there and you've got a chance to just land the knockout punch, Figure out a way. If Justin's feeling it so much that he can dance, then then give give him a couple plays. Maybe he should have kept it on that third down play. Maybe there's a passing play in there where you find DJ Moore or Cole Komet, you know, and you just go for the kill shot. But I felt like they kind of got into old Dick Duran mode, which used to drive me insane, where it's like, okay, we're comfortable enough with a lead and we don't want to risk screwing up here. Instead of having that aggressive mindset of like, let's finish this thing off. It was like, let's try to make sure we don't screw this up. And I thought that was, that was just a, a bad disconnect in the game. I think you're, that's a good observation. I, I hadn't thought of it necessarily that way, but that is a good observation. And really it's not, we're not complaining about the dance. I really don't care about what happens after you know, in most cases. I mean, that, that's, he's entitled to that. It's an emotional game. But that is that is an interesting thing. I wonder how the Bears, like, I wonder if coaches look for cues from players like Fields and what kind of day he's having, and I wonder if that affects what kind of game they call based on some of that. I, I don't. I think that's probably no, because I don't think they even know who's in the game half the time, as it turns out. But I do wonder if they're looking for things from their leader to see, you know, what's what's Justin like today? How's he feeling? What's he because it would be great. And, and I think that, you know, Olin Cruz has mentioned this a couple of times on, on the score. You know, he always references the, the John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson sequence, which was on NFL films. And it was a fourth down. And, and John Harbaugh is overheard or mic'd up and saying, hey, what do you like here? What do you like here? And and I don't don't think we have many examples of Justin Fields connecting with his coaches in that way, which made me openly wonder. And I, I wasn't trying to be controversial or. Or uh, but this morning on the radio, I was wondering, like, so what kind of relationship does Luke Getze and Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus have? Because all the times that we talk about, well, why don't you ask him what he likes and, and, and what he would like in this situation? You don't really see that because do, is that is there that kind of give and take? Do they have that kind of rapport or relationship? I really don't know. Yeah, I, so I answered a similar question to this with uh, the afternoon show. Uh, the midday show on 670 the score on Monday afternoon and my answer to that is that the, like I think that the relationship between Justin and Luke has been strong from the start and I think they have open lines of communication I think they respect each other's candor respect each other's honesty and are always working in a direction 
um, where they both know they're about the same things. And the, the, the thing that they're about is success, success for the team, the growth of the individual. Um, and so like, I, I can't comment on what footage is available of their sideline conversations, but I can promise you it's productive. Um, and that they, that, the, you know, like I, I said earlier today that I, I feel like Luke has been made into this boogeyman by a lot of people who are looking for a scapegoat for why the bears are three and eight and why they haven't got over the hump. But you look at any, any measure and you say like, this has been a, a team that has run the ball as well uh, as most of the, the best teams in the league. They have converted on third down at a high rate all season. They've been good inside the red zone. I, I think I put out a tweet over the weekend that, that they were one of three teams that rank, ranked in the top 10 of those categories. And the other two were the 49ers and the Ravens, who are really good football teams. The Bears also put together a game plan yesterday that allowed them to control the ball for more than 40 minutes, allowed them to score points on six of their first eight drives. If Luke Getze is such a terrible offensive coordinator, then how are they possibly overcoming how terrible he is to have this brand of success? How are they unlocking Justin for a 104-yard rushing day? How is he in a groove after 35 days off to come in and seem like he hadn't missed a beat and get in a flow the, the, the first drive of the game? You know, and like you said, like how do you kind of read a quarterback for how his days are going? There are a lot of days where you can see early like uh oh justin's not there yesterday sunday afternoon was not one of those days that flow was there early and i don't think it ever really dissipated to be honest with you there was no uh prolonged stretches where you're like okay you know he's gotten off track and and, and it's just gotten clunky here so i don't know it, I, I think your numbers about gets here interesting but i do think he's also one of these guys that kind of like you know, he, he seems to strike out with the bases loaded a lot, even though he might be hitting 300. I, I think he's one of these guys that, like, misses the open three or a layup when he might be averaging 17 points a game. I mean, I understand. I understand. I'm just trying to debunk this myth I, that, that he's, like, the sole uh, factor in why the Bears are a bad football team, which has been, like, it's been a, a mushrooming talking point for like two and a half weeks now. I, I where, know, I know, I know. And, and it was, and, and immediately when that game ended yesterday, th that's where all the ire went, right? The, yeah. the ire immediately went there, and it was like, do you see that the that the, the, the defense? led by the defensive head coach, gave up two touchdowns in the final four minutes and 15 seconds, including the first touchdown drive where the Lions went the last 51 yards in 13 seconds. You I know, like, I just look at, I just look at the guy. I just look at it. I know this would be a good, I'm, I'm going to come up with a list of like the most vilified offensive coordinators in the last 25 years of sure. them. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's <laughs> he's definitely at the, near the top of that list. I, I do wonder two things. If, Luke Getzey gets fired in four weeks. Sure. Is he hired in six? I mean, is, is he going to get another good job? Is he going to get another bite? Probably he's a, he's a coaching life for these guys always resurface. But I wonder in what capacity. Yeah. I don't know if he, to, you know, my analogies may not have been the greatest, but I, but I do think he has a tendency to not take what is obvious and to maybe miss those opportunities to do that. So, yeah, I mean it's it's a it's an ongoing conversation. I think it probably is going to be a moot point as well because I don't know that he's going to be somebody that um, is able to survive this either because of how bad it is. Because the numbers are just going to be too bad for Matt Eberflus to explain away. This is slightly tangential, but but related to the offense because there were two sequences after first half takeaways that I think um, 
really hurt the Bears. You know, you go down the field on the on the first drive of the game, and you score a touchdown. You come back on defense and you get a takeaway, the Tyreek Stevenson interception, and you put together a pretty good drive after that. And it's first and 10 at the Lions 38. And you've got a chance to really sink your claws into a game early on the road. And the sequence after that was a run to Deontay Foreman for six yards, which looks like Brian Branch had some sort of run blitz on and totally smoked Darnell Mooney right off the snap and took – uh, Foreman down for a loss of six. Now you're behind the sticks. Well, guess what? The next play, DJ Moore runs a post route and it's open and Justin overshoots him by three yards and everybody post game said, yeah, Justin overcooked that one and he shot it too far and we missed an opportunity to score. And then the last play was a shot over the middle. E- even at third and 16 from the 44, you've got a chance to get a chunk back and get into Cairo Santos range because he's been automatic and he's perfect from 50 plus this year. And that play on third and 16 was batted down at the line of scrimmage. And all of a sudden you're punting rather than turning that, that takeaway into points you're punting. They got another interception off of golf from TJ Edwards early in the second quarter. And there were only three plays on the next drive. And it was a Justin Fields zone read for minus two, actually only two plays, then a delay a game. (laughs) <laughs> which as you talked about earlier was a problematic thing. And then a short pass to Tyler Scott, who then fumbled, you know what I mean? And so like, these, there are moments here where you're like, man, like uh, this, this, when, when you and I spent all of last year about talking about how to learn to win, it's not always just in the fourth quarter. Sometimes early in the game, you have to seize the opportunity to really put a team, uh, you know, back against the ropes and, and, and they didn't do it. And those were two moments that I think come back to bite you in the moment. You're not, you're not, shouting at the, the the person you're watching the game on like oh no they're doomed but you go back through it on the rewatch knowing the end result and you go that's a, a critical lapse offensively that ends up costing you that's a clue right mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, enough about the offense. Quickly before we get out of here, defensive impressions, defensive disappointments. Jalen Johnson, uh... Had a rough day, and Matt Eberflus did nothing to kind of uh, shy away from that reality. He called him a pro um, when he talked about him. He was asked about the, you know, the pass interference. He was asked about missing the pick six. 
that went through his hands. And obviously, Took exception to that, he said, he said, it didn't go through my hands. He said it touched one of my hands. And, and, and I was kind of, you know, I wasn't there because I was in with Eberflus and Fields at the time. But I, I, I'll push back on that because that, like, when, when you've spent an entire season propping yourself up as one of the elite corners in the game, and there's an opportunity there to undercut a route and take it 97 yards for a touchdown. You catch that, you know? You catch, yeah, you catch that. It's not going to go in the stats as a drop, but yeah, it's it, a missed it, opportunity for a guy that wants to get paid top of the market money. Yeah, you want you want to get paid $18 million a year, you catch that, and you don't you don't quibble about semantics after a game that you really played poorly. And when I, he, he stood out for the wrong reasons because, as I was getting to, those missed interceptions and that pass interference penalty was less galling to me than – allowing the 32-yard touchdown pass with two veteran guys. They dropped it. Jared, Jared Goff drops it right into the basket, right into the hole in cover two, and that can't happen. And I think that was, to me, as disappointing well, as any play. So interesting nugget on that one. I'm with you that it's as disappointing as any play, but Matt Eberflus on Monday afternoon, now I have to go back and rewatch this, seemed to implicate Kyler Gordon in that sequence as the guy who – played too low and took and took a shorter route as instead of staying with Jamison Williams on the sale route there. And so if indeed it was Kyler Gordon's responsibility to, to have <laughs> Jamison Williams in that coverage. And instead he broke into a free space in between Eddie Jackson and, and Jalen Johnson, we've got to have a different conversation about this, right? Because we gave both those guys a whole lot of guff on Sunday night and again, Monday morning for that play. And so I got to go, go re revisit that and see exactly what that looks like. Didn't, from the overhead didn't even confirm that after the game, he, he didn't have names after the game. He just said, we've got to stay high to low in that situation and make sure we're, we're staying with the, the deeper, uh, I, I got to watch that the play again. Right there. Yeah, right. I, I know exactly. Right. Any, yeah. That's a, it's a very, it's a very strange. So that, that's, that, that's one where the all 22 is going to be, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be popping up on uh, a Twitter screen near you with people kind of giving Matt's explanation and then showing it from the overhead view to, to, to see how that, that broke down. But that was brutal. You know, and that was brutal in a moment where again, like that drive was way too quick. David, like you're up 12 points at the very least. If you're going to let them score, make it be a long, you know, drawn out prolonged drive where they got to use time, use timeouts, use energy. The Bears didn't do that. And at that point, you realize that they, they had left the door wide open. I, I, I know they did leave the door wide open. I'm sorry for this. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm watching the game. I'm watching the play, Dan. You caught me. I'm watching the play again. 33 is the corner outside. Now, look, I know. To the entire call and the defense, but like letting Jalen Johnson off the hook on that, I would want a for more full explanation. Well, you got right? the play because in front of you right now. I don't have it in front of me. Where does Jamison Williams come from? Does he come from the slot? Jamison Williams, okay, if I had to watch it again, I just lost it again. <laughs> he, he, um, he is, let's see, lined up. So the Bears are... We can include this on in the Netflix documentary about Beat Reporter. It'd be very uh, entertaining viewing of of me watching you watching a video that I can't see. Okay, I, I see. Can't see where he lines up exactly. That's a that's a good. Uh, we'll we'll get to it in the next pot. I'm pretty sure he's lined up wherever he's lined up. <laughs> yeah, I mean you're a DB by trade, so you should well, have. A I'm good telling eye, you this. I'm telling this. you. Some of the principles are so where he's lined up. Jalen Johnson has a decision to make as, as he gets broken down his cushion, and I just don't know he made the right one. And, and bottom line is Eddie Jackson didn't do enough to come off his hash mark and his landmark to the point where he's a, he's a spectator. 
it was a bad look for two guys that you yeah. should trust in the situation. Where Kyler Gordon fits into this, I'm I'm intrigued by. And I do want to see another angle because Kyler Gordon didn't get enough depth, but maybe it's a it's a domino effect. Flucy may be saying if if Gordon got more depth, Jalen Johnson wouldn't have felt as threatened, and then he could have come off quicker, and then Eddie Jackson would have done it too. But you know what? Total breakdown, touchdown Lions, end of game. Well, yeah, touchdown Lions. The second touchdown was the David Montgomery one to seal it in the final minute. And so I wanted to bring this back up because we talked about it Sunday evening and and, a friend of the podcast, Kevin Fishbane, was able to ask a couple of my questions that I couldn't get in from 32,000 feet on the flight from Detroit to Chicago. And I I was curious about the timeout usage there after they hit the draw play to Jameer Gibbs to set up first to goal from the one. And I know, I obviously know why the Bears are calling the timeout there. They're trying to preserve time for their offense to have a response. But given that the Lions had no timeouts, part of me wonders, do you just let that play out? Do you um, try to catch the Lions in such a hurry-up, frantic state that they make a mistake, that they rush up to the line, maybe commit a false start penalty, maybe you know fumble a snap or get a little bit uh, helter-skelter there with, with, with the way the game is going there? It's a tough call to make. Matt was asked about that, and and he said, well, certainly they had time to, to still run another play if, if, you know, we elected to run the clock. Well, yeah, obviously, but if, if things get, again, if things get a little frantic and wild there, maybe you get a gift from them. I was just curious where you came down on that because the in the moment I felt like, man, why did they – why did they allow this reset here for first and goal from the one? And I think your, your point was, well, maybe now they're just going to let them score. <laughs> and, and, and maybe that was part of the, the MO there. But um, I, I don't know if that was part of the MO there. I, I think it crossed my mind because they only had 29 seconds left and it was, that, it was almost inevitable that they were going to score at that point. And you wanted to leave yourself a little bit more time. Um, it was a it was a confusing explanation and it never got any sort of clarity from Matt Eberflus in, in that. So I, I don't know that. I don't know that the Bears had a clear strategy. Uh, from, and from and so, so the reason I bring it up is because sometimes the lack of clear strategy is crystal clear at some point. You know, it's like, are you ready for these moments? And and do you, you know, like as a, a coaching staff that's been so situationally prepared for everything, why does it always seem to, to wind up with us talking about a loss, um, you know, 28 times out of uh, or 22 times out of 28 games? Let me ask you about another thing that could have a crystal clear explanation next time you talk to Luke Coriel uh, up there at Hallis Hall. So when you have 29 seconds to go. That's two, that's two low blows on the same okay, time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's Monday. Um, when you have 29 seconds to go 75 yards or not even that, but you're looking for a field yeah. goal. Why in the world would you not at least give some help to your right tackle, the rookie trying to block Aiden Hutchinson, who is the one guy on that defense you should know where he is on every single snap. You don't keep in Mercedes Lewis or Cole Komet or running back. You don't give your rookie offensive tackle any help. And you know what Aiden Hutchinson did? He did what he's expected to do, what he's paid handsomely, will be paid handsomely to do. He strip sack fumbled, created the safety, kicked the ball into the stands, and he'll gladly pay the fine because the Bears decided no help on that play or they're going to let him go it alone and they paid the price. Well, look, you've got you've got to cover 40 yards and probably what? You're going to have maybe at most four snaps before yep. you, you, you get a kick. And so you're going to have to get chunks here. And part of chunks require leaving some of your better players <laughs> to handle their responsibilities. Darnell Wright is a top 10 pick who is going to be in this league for a very long time with the express purpose of being able to block the other team's best rusher. He Not yet. 
well, okay, well, he shouldn't need help all the time. And particularly in a situation where you need to get as many guys down the field as possible to try and create some situation. I don't have a problem with him being singled up there. I have, I a, do. Problem, I have a problem with him putting up zero resistance on that particular uh, pass set and, and, and Justin being completely vulnerable to getting strip sacks and then the ball's out and, you know, honestly, the the kick out the back of the end zone was the worst thing for the Bears because now it's a free kick and the game's over. You know, um, so it, it it is what it is, and and yeah, I just I I can't I can't go there with a top ten pick and be like, why can't you give the top ten pick more help? There's one guy in that defense that it's like letting. It's like letting uh, all these basketball analogies. I must be watching too much NBA. It's like if you have one guy that can beat you, your best score, you don't double team him on the last possession where he can do the most damage. Aid Hutchinson wrecked the game because the Bears rolled out the red carpet to the pocket and said, go ahead, beat our guy, win the game. Wait, 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 I'm trying to find Hutch in the stat sheet here yesterday. He had one sack. That was it. Okay. And and no other quarterback hits. So uh, where was the game wrecking? He's that, one guy. He's where a was, game wrecker. Where, where was the game wrecking that you're speaking of? It seems like Don all right held him in check pretty much. Are you an Ohio the, State graduate or something? The, I mean, the entire Hutchinson afternoon is the real deal. I know it's a real deal, but Darnell Wright has also had a really impressive start to his rookie season and was doing a pretty good job on the guy. Okay. I mean, like that that feels like we're we're nitpicking with 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 29 seconds to go and a lot of ground to cover. Um, you're gonna run max protect and want to run a one, run a one one deep route against a, 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 a prevent defense. That, that, that's gonna be your play there. Uh, it is a simple question, simply answered. <laughs> All right, anything else that we need to get to before I issue out any more low blows? No, uh, this is our last episode before Thanksgiving, so I'm very thankful that this podcast continues to have the. Uh, passionate following that it has it, it continues to have the flexibility of uh my co-host and my producer to put up with my random scheduling changes and uh chaos so th- that's my my way of did saying say, thanks at the say, end of the podcast no you're welcome yeah. did you say ranting <laughs> schedule changes or random <laughs> well, both, random, both. random yeah, ranting both. schedule changes oh, you never know that's when good. the next rant's coming yeah. and if you keep taking right. these low blows <laughs> i know at, at luke getsy there there might there might be a bigger rant here yeah i'm baiting i'm baiting you i'm baiting you yeah no thank you for everyone to for listening because it has been a fun year even despite the losing um but um this is a an unusual week and we will be back on friday afternoon yeah. after the holiday and then we'll of course have our uh well monday is is it's yeah, a monday night football game so it's a different schedule next week just stay tuned for programming changes yeah the monday night game actually allows the bears to go dark on thursday on thanksgiving day which has never happened in my time here they obviously have played on thanksgiving day quite a few times in detroit and once in green bay during my time on the beat but this is actually a no bears thanksgiving for me for the first time in a long time so i'm really looking forward to that <laughs> i know because the first time dan the bears don't ruin your thanksgiving you're like it's my favorite holiday ever i can start, I can start drinking ago. a lot earlier yeah, exactly <laughs> rather than the third quarter as opposed <laughs> to that you and bigsy breaking into the keg yeah. all right so uh all right that was a good one we will uh, be back later this week hope everybody has a happy thanksgiving for adam satinsky and dan reader i'm david hall thank you for listening to the take the north podcast and watching us on the 670 sports youtube page we will talk to you next time happy thanksgiving great talk see you out there